want to welcome you back to our series called Mark Matters. We took a, a break last week as we had Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, uh, one of my favorites was um, Kurt, uh, Kurt, one of my, Warner, uh, blank in the second service. Uh, Kurt Warner, not only his story last week, but many of you probably have seen American Underdog now and what a great movie that was and really how accurate it was in, in portraying his life. But why is it that we like the underdog so much. I think most of us, if we don't have a team we're rooting for, we're rooting for the underdog. We're cheering for the underdog to, to win. And I think we cheer for the underdog because I think we see ourselves in the underdog. We see ourselves and think sometimes we, we don't feel like the top dog. We feel like that underdog. So when the underdog wins, we're winning. And if you like the underdog, you're going to like Mark. Uh, and in our series, Mark Matters, Mark is one of the four gospel writers, one of the four that gave the biography of Jesus. And, and Mark really, um, he was the underdog of these four. You had Matthew and you had uh, John who were part of the inner circle of Jesus, twelve, a part of the 12 disciples. Uh, John, of course, is the beloved. And uh, whenever when someone comes to Christ, uh, the first book we encourage people to read, or the, maybe the first when you first came to follow Jesus, what they give you? The book of John. They're like, read John, read John, read the book of John. He's kind of the first. And then he wrote Revelation. And then, then you have Luke, who wrote not only the gospel of, of Luke and the biography of Jesus in Luke, but he also wrote the biography of the early church in Acts. And so Mark is kind of the underdog. And I think you might enjoy Mark too from the aspect of Mark gets to the, gets to the point. Uh, of all the gospels, his is only 16 chapters. His is kind of, he gets to the point where the others elaborate on stories. He kind of just gets right after it and goes straight to the point. I was thinking this week, Monday in our staff meeting, I was looking around the room and uh, I was thinking of the six that were there that, that day. I was thinking, we're all different in so many ways, but I could put three of us and three of us or six of us there Monday into two different camps the camp of the details and the camp of get to the point. So in the camp of the details, you, I'd say it was me, uh, Pastor Christy, and Pastor Aaron. We're in the details. We like to give the details. We feel like there's more value to the story, and the longer the story it is, the better it is. Um, some of you are probably thinking, Pastor, you could just get to the point more often. We'd be so much better. Just be more like Mark. And on the other side, you have Pastor Brandon and Pastor Dustin and Pastor Nate that were in there, and they're just like, get to the point. Just get to the point. We'll deal with the details later. If you're the latter, you're going to love Mark, because Mark gets to the point. And Mark opens his gospel by paving the way for us. Uh, and, and that's the message today. It's the title of the message is Paving the Way. Mark's purpose, Mark's goal is to pave the way. Much like a lawyer in a courtroom who uh, there was no debate. I mean, Mark doesn't start his gospel with debating or discussion. Um, he starts right off with making a declaration making an announcement, like a, a lawyer, lawyer in a courtroom who declares, this man's innocent. And then he gives the, or he or she gives the, um, the details after that or the support of that. Mark goes straight to the point. Uh, Matthew and Luke, and of course, we get the long story of the Christmas story. You don't get that in Mark. In, in Matthew and, and Luke, you're also going to see a, a long kind of either genealogy or Jewish history. And that's because their audience was the Jews, and they were trying to uh, share the gospel to a Jewish community. Mark was more sharing it to the Greek and the Romans. So he skipped the genealogies. He skips the, the, uh, the stories and the history, and he goes right to the point. So right out of the gate, 
no genealogy, no stories, no cute Christmas stories, boom, right out of the gate, this is what you're going to see from the Gospel of Mark. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Boom. Declared, announced, no debate, no discussion. I think one thing Mark knows is God doesn't need defended. Uh, He's a big God. Uh, We're not to defend God either. We are simply to bear witness of what he's done for us. We can't convince anyone of God. Uh, The Holy Spirit does that. God does that. We're just called to bear witness. But trying to convince someone of God, to convince someone of Jesus, uh, we are called to bear witness, but we can't make anyone do that. And so right out of the gate, we see that he goes straight to those that probably wouldn't care about the background, the history, the genealogy, to the Greeks and the Romans. Mark wanted his audience to know, and he wanted them to know where to go. He wanted them to know what they needed to know and where they needed to go. And he wanted it to be helpful. Uh, Pastor Aaron, I love Pastor Aaron. He's the one that just gave the announcements and and came up here uh, here at both places today. Uh, When Pastor Aaron first moved here, he uh, was generously given, like you guys are so good at doing, when we first moved here, you kind of have this tradition of you give a bunch of gift cards to restaurants and towns and things like that. Aaron's a very picky eater. And so he doesn't really like Chinese. He doesn't like anything with sauce. Uh, he basically, I joke with him, he orders off the kid's menu. I mean, just give him a kid's menu. He's good to go. Um, he, he doesn't like to eat a lot of things. And so he had a lot of gift cards that weren't really usable to him. Now, he loved Firehouse. He had a lot of those. Any Starbucks, I mean, he was like, I didn't care about that. Heather was like, don't give those to your mom. Don't give those to anyone else. Give those to me. And, and then, there was, uh, then there was a bunch of others. And then Chick-fil-A. So he liked Chick-fil-A. And on one particular day, he took his card. About a year after being here, he took one of his cards to Chick-fil-A, ordered, went through the line. On his way out, there's always one or two um, homeless people with signs uh, seeking, um, you know, some assistance. And Pastor Aaron has a big heart. And uh, so he keeps in a backpack, and he had all these cards in his backpack, all probably organized alphabetically, who knows. And, and, and he, he reaches back in his card, and he looks at one, and he goes, okay, yeah, I'll give this one. It's $25, generous, $25 gift card. And he gives it to this guy, and this guy looks at it, and he said, is this place, is this place around here? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's just down the road. It's just down the road a little ways. And the guy's like, Panera Bread? And he's like, yeah, it's just down the road a little ways. The guy's all confused, and uh, Aaron's heart was in the right place. He drives down a little ways, and he looks at another place that he doesn't like very much. Uh, he looks, and he sees Panda Express. He's like, oh, the wrong P. I mean, he was, it was, and, and Aaron and I, we've been joking about what the signs they were writing after that, you know, it was like, need ride to Wichita, you know, or <laughs> this isn't helpful. So Aaron's heart was in the right place, but it wasn't very helpful. Mark's heart is in the right place. He also tells us and opens up with John the Baptist, whose heart was in the right place, but he was, it was also helpful. And here's where he uh, shares a little bit of some history in Old Testament, telling about John the Baptist. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. If you want to know the purpose of the gospel of Mark, it's to prepare a path. It's to prepare a straight path, a straight way. And he tells that, that, the, that John the Baptist is a fulfillment of a couple of prophecies in the Old Testament that's actually found in Malachi and Isaiah that says this, 
uh, Malachi 3.1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way for him. That was John the Baptist. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He's talking about John the Baptist, so he opens up his gospel with John the Baptist, whose purpose, whose singular purpose was to make a path for Jesus, to make a path that was straight, to make a path that was smooth, to get, uh, get around the crooked and the things that the cloudy and, uh, and to, for everything to be clear. And so he begins this gospel with the good news and his sole purpose is he wants you to know the gospel or the good news, the simple good news. And the simple good news is this, the gospel is this, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins and that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. For some, this is hard because it seems like there should be more to it. There, there's, there, should be, there should be additional steps. There should be more that should be done. But that's what makes the gospel good news. That's why they call it gospel. It's good news because it's not about what we've done, what we could do. It's about what Jesus has already done, that he's died on a cross, forgiven us of our sins. And Mark wanted the Greeks and the Romans to know this gospel, that there was a, a place that has been paid for them and, and that John had come to prepare a smooth road ahead of them. So this leads me to, before we get into our notes today, to a couple questions I just want us to think about. One is this, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, or it doesn't mean you, uh, just because you're in church, that you're a follower of Jesus. You can go to church of thousands and thousands of times, but it, you have to receive Jesus. You have to believe in him. You have to trust in him. So the first question is, is this for us this morning. Are you open to the gospel? Are you open to receiving Jesus? And no one can make that decision for you. Your parents can't make that decision for you. We're real careful about our baptisms. Uh, we have those that want to come and be baptized. They want to baptize their kids, and we steer them towards child dedications because baptism is a personal decision and a choice. And a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old can make it. I, Heather made it when she's five. I made it when I was 10. A child can make the best decision of their life, but they have to receive it. They have to be open to it. Parents can't make that. A pastor can't make that decision for you. No one can make that decision for you. You have to make that decision for yourself. So the first question, are you open to the gospel? Are you open to receiving Jesus? And for those of us and a lot of us, the answer is yes. So my question for you today is, are you preparing a road or a path for others to see Jesus? Are you helping to make a path that is not so crooked and is more straight? Are you helping to get the rocks and the pebbles out of the road and helping to make a smooth uh, path and a clear path for people to find and follow Jesus? What do you mean, Pastor? What do you, what do you mean, Kent? What are you, what are you talking about? Well, our lifestyle, for one, is our lifestyle... Is it an obstacle to people's path or is it an opportunity? Is the way that we live Monday through Saturday, when we leave this building, does the way that we live create opportunities for people to see a clear path for the, for the rough places to be smoothed out? Or are we creating obstacles? Are we creating uh, uh, obstacles for people in coming to Christ? There's a quote by uh, St. Ag Ignatius of Antioch who says this, it is better to be a Christian without saying so than to say so without being so. 
Let me say that one more time. It is better to be a Christian without saying so than to say so without being so. Our life matters. Is our life creating a path? Not, not that we'll be perfect, no one's perfect, but does the way that we live Monday through Saturday in our job, at our schools, in our community, in our neighborhoods, is it creating smooth paths for people to see Jesus? Is it helping to make straight paths for people to see Jesus? Or, or does it create obstacles? Does, does our marriages, do they help people see Jesus? Does your family help people see Jesus? Does the way that you respond to your coworkers when they're not very kind to you at work, does the way that you respond to them help them to see Jesus or create obstacles? Our life matters to how we live. Also, our, our worship. Uh, corporately, how we, are we an obstacle or are we an opportunity? When people come to church, one, are we an opportunity? Are we helping people to feel welcome by greeting others? Are we just only talking to our friends? Are, are we engaged in the worship? Or are we waiting for the worship to grab us before we decide to worship God? Are we, are we engaged in a way that helps others be attracted to Jesus, to help see a straight path and a, and a, a smooth path? Ray Johnson said this recently. He says, when you walk in some churches, they are so somber, so lifeless, that it makes you want to ask the question, who died, not who lived? The church should be a place, not we make fake emotion or create something unauthentic, but it should be a place, friends, we are the redeemed. God has saved us from our sins. He doesn't treat us the way that our sins deserved. He's given us new life. He's given us new hope. Yes, life is not easy. And you don't sign up to, to follow Jesus and don't misunderstand me. doesn't mean life is going to be smooth sailing. It doesn't mean the road is going to be easy. In fact, the road's going to be hard. In fact, the road's going to be difficult. But there is a joy that comes in knowing the Lord. There is a peace in following Christ. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, there is a hope, there's a joy, there is a love that we as believers have. Are we sharing that love and showing that love? And then he goes into verse four and five. Verse four is, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Notice where John the Baptist starts. John the Baptist starts in the wilderness. He's not preaching to the choir. He's not preaching in a church or a synagogue. He's not even preaching in the city square or the city streets. He is out in the wilderness. Why is John out in the wilderness? I think it's symbolic of our spiritual wilderness. John went to the wilderness because that's where we live before Jesus. We're in a spiritual darkness. We're in a spiritual wilderness. And John goes to the wilderness to bring Jesus to them. And I would, if you're following in your notes, this is the first thing in your notes today is this. Our best ministry is out there, not in here. Our best ministry to others is not out, is out here, out there, not in here. It's wonderful that we come together and we worship. It's wonderful that we come and celebrate and share uh, and, and, uh, and the love of Jesus. But what's more important is Monday through Saturday. What's more important is what we do out there. And friends, we have to internalize this, that people are walking in a spiritual wilderness. They're walking in a spiritual darkness. 
They're, they're hurting, they're lost, they're broken, and we're, our best work is not going to be in here. Our best work is going to be out there. And that's where John began and went with his ministry. The other thing is the straight path that he shows us, the straight path to God is through repentance of sins. Today, so many times on television or you'll see public figures very rarely admit they did anything wrong. But when they do, what do they say? They, said, they say, I made a mistake. You don't hear them saying, I sinned. I sinned against God or I sinned against man. They don't say that. They said, I made a mistake. In fact, we're a little bit like that. In fact, when we see others, we, we'll, we're more easily to call what they're doing sin. But we like to refer to the things that we do as mistakes. Friends, the path to God is repentance of sins. It's to acknowledge that we're sinners, that we're, that we're lost, that we need a Savior. It's to acknowledge that repentance means to change our mind, to come in agreement with God. Repentance means that we, we, we turn direction. We stop going that way and we start going this way. We turn about face. And so when we're baptized, like what's happened to, to a few today, it's not that we, 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 we're baptized and we walk back and we go back to an old life. No, when we're baptized, we're not perfect, but we walk into a new life. We walk into the new life that God has for us. A life that's of joy and peace, of, of love. The straight path to God is through repentance. The other thing is the straight path to God is through Jesus. Mark lets us know this. Verses 6 through 8 says this. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. It was a kind of a weird technique that he had. I wouldn't suggest that that's what God's calling us to do, is to be so weird. That's what he called him to do. And, and then this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The, the pathway to God is repentance. The pathway to God is through Jesus. And every other path is crooked. Every other path is not straight. The only straight path is through Jesus Christ. The only life worth living, I believe, is through Jesus Christ. And we can try through many other ways to live our life. And every other life choice, style, way of living other than Jesus, it's a crooked path. It's a path that will lead to destruction. Whether it's a path of, of addictions, whether it's a, whether it's a path of, of choosing our own way, whether it's a path that we, we anything other than Jesus is a crooked path. His is the narrow path. John the Baptist, and Mark shares the story about him, it is the straight path to God through repentance and through Jesus. Now, Mark has prepared the way for us today through telling of the, the, um, John the Baptist. The table's been set, and now I want to tell you the reason we celebrate is because now the party starts. That's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate baptism, because when we choose the narrow path, when we choose the straight path, when, we, when we, we choose to get the things out of our life to receive and follow Jesus, then the party starts. You know anybody in your life that when they show up, the party starts? They walk into the room, 
and okay, we can start now. The party starts. For one of the people in my life that I know that to be is a guy by the name of Tim Fisher. He's a pastor in Goshen, Indiana. Uh, once a year, usually, we're together with about 25, 30 pastors and their spouses. And you know what? Everything's okay and good. It's just pastors. But when Tim walks into the room, the party starts. And not because he tries or he manufactures anything. He's one of those guys, every other pastor, this is just a weakness that we all have. All the rest of us try to be funny. I try to be funny. They try to be funny. Tim's just one of those guys, he's just naturally funny. He just enjoys life. He comes in, he's got this boisterous laugh, and it's not annoying. It's just he enjoys, he laughs at others, he enjoys others. But when he walks into the room, the party starts when Tim walks into the room. Friends, when Jesus walks into the room, that's when the party starts. That's when life begins. Jesus himself said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full, that you may have life abundantly. I don't believe it's an accident in the other gospels that the first miracle that Jesus performs was at the wedding celebration. It was at the party because the party starts when Jesus comes. The party starts when we receive him into our heart and into our life. And we won't apologize, and I won't apologize for ever saying that the best way to live your life is to follow Jesus. Not the easiest, but the best way, the way of life, the way of hope, the way of love. And then he goes on to verse 9. It says this, At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, in you I am well pleased. This is the place in the message. A pastor has a favorite place in the message. This is the place that I almost wanted to speed through everything else to get to this part today. Because this is something that I think... I haven't struggled with the first part, but I've struggled with the second part. I've been following Jesus for about 40 years. My parents told me all my life, God loves me. I had a church that told me all my life, God loves me. I had people in my life that told me that God loves me. And I know that's an obstacle for some people, and some people may be watching, or some people in the room. The first obstacle you may have is, does, does, God, does God love me? Does, does God love me? And I, this last year, 40 years following Jesus, and there was someone that someone said that stuck in my mind, and it's helping to change my thinking and change my thoughts. The first is this. I already said the part about receiving God and understanding that he loves me. But notice the father who says these words, you are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Notice the timing of his words. These words were not shared after he died and rose again. These words were not shared upon his first miracle. These words were not shared when he preached his first message, the Sermon on the Mount. This was before Jesus had done anything for the Father. He had hadn't done one thing. Mark opens up his gospel with, this is my son whom I love. Because of the things he's done? No, he hasn't done anything yet. 
He hasn't preached the message. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't, he hasn't risen from the grave. He says, this is my son whom I love. He hasn't done anything yet, but I want you to know, this is my son whom I love. And some of you need to receive that today. You need to receive that you can't do anything. You've done nothing or can't do anything. You just need to receive that God loves you. That he loves you just the way that you are. And for some of us, maybe like myself, who've been around it enough, it's easy for me to embrace that and accept that God loves me. Here's the part that I struggle with. God has to love me. He's God. It's like my mom and dad. I mean, they kind of have to love me because I'm their kid. Your, your kids, you love them because, you, because they're your kids. And our, our God is a good God. And a good God has love and is full of love, is love. And so it's not hard for me to understand that God loves me. But here's the question maybe I've struggled at different times in my life, maybe still struggle with today. Does God like me? Is God pleased with me? So maybe you're able to answer the first question emphatically. Yes, I know God loves me, but does, he has to. That's who he is. God has to love me because that's who God is. But does God like me? Is he pleased with me? And this is something in studying this message this week came to me, and I felt like God spoke to me in this way. This is the thought that came to my head. I don't know if he's pleased or not, but I know what pleases him now. Nothing pleases him more than for me to come to him. Nothing pleases him more than for me to come to him. So God loves me because that's who God is. But God isn't pleased with me because of whether I tank this message today or not, whether it's a home run message, whether I'm the best pastor, shepherd, best father, best husband, or, or bad husband, or, or, or bad father, or, or bad pastor, or good pastor. He doesn't love me because of what I've done for him, or could do for him, or what I will do for him. He, he loves me, yes. But I'm trying to wrap, and I think I, someone needs to wrap their mind around this today. He doesn't just love you. God likes you. He's pleased with you. Why is he pleased? Uh, you may be thinking, I've, I've done so many things that I'm ashamed of, that I wish I could do over. Why would God be pleased with me? What pleases God? It pleases God that we come to him. So my girls, your children... I'm, I'm so pleased with my daughters when they get the, and, and proud of them when they get the straight A's, when they get the awards, when they do good things. But I thought, I'm equally pleased when they mess up, when they blow it, when they fall down and they come to their dad and they say, dad, I need help. I got some, some trouble here. I don't know what to do. I, I, I love it that they come to me. They come to their mother. They come to their parents. And that's our heavenly father. He's pleased with you, not because of anything you've done, could do, or, or haven't done, or haven't, or won't do. He's pleased with you when you come to him. He loves you. But to get to know that he's pleased with us is one thing. Come to Jesus. That's why he sent his son to die on a cross for us. It's why he rose again. Because he doesn't just love you, he likes you. And some of us got this distorted view of God. We've heard some different things growing up or whatever. And we've got this false understanding that I have to earn God's 
love for some of us, but others go, okay, I get that he loves me, but how could he like me? If, if you knew me, how could he like me? Because anyone that comes to him, he'll no wise turn away. He readily receives us. And I just think it's such good news. I don't even know if I'm adequately portraying this good news to you today, but it's good news for me, and I believe it's good news for some of you today to know that God doesn't just love you, God likes you. And God is pleased with you when you come to him, when you run to him. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning and not look around. And those of you at home, I hope you'll keep your dial tuned in, stay connected online. With no one looking around and your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just think there's some that are hearing this message in the first part, they're going, I just haven't believed that God loves me. But today, the Holy Spirit's spoken to me and I know he loves me. He loves me. I think there's some of you here today that you're, you're thinking, I get that he loves me, he has to love me, that's who God is. But I've never thought about how he likes me, how he's pleased with me. And the reason he's pleased with you is not because of what you've done or what you could do, but because you come to him. As your kids run to you in good times and in trouble, what pleases our heavenly father is that we come to him. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. Holy Spirit has spoken to you today. Now I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I'm gonna pray for you. But just by a signal of faith, you want to raise your hand saying, I receive this love. I receive that God likes me today. I see some of you already raising your hand. Yep, yep, raise your hand. Raise them high. No one's looking around. Yep. God loves you. You can put them down. God loves you and God likes you. God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? And it it would please him nothing more than you come to him today. You're watching online. It pleased God and, and Christ nothing more than you just to come to him. And the way to him is through repentance, acknowledging that we're sinners and we need a savior. The only way to God is through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So you might just want to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins because you love me and you like me and you want to have a relationship with me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Help me to live for you and share this love with others. And Father, I thank you for each and every person that's prayed this prayer. I just pray that your arms would, your Holy Spirit would just wrap around them that they would know that they're loved by you, they're liked by you, that, that you're pleased with them because you came to them. And Father, I pray for every single person in this room and watching online today. My prayer has been this week that we would embrace that we serve a God that not only loves us, but how freeing it is to know that we have a God who likes us, not because of anything we could do or anything that we've done, but because you want a relationship with us and you love us and you like us. Thank you for that good news today. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you think I'd dismiss you, but I got two minutes because I want to tell you two things about following Jesus that comes from this gospel of John. 
to help us as we go on our way. So let me just share these few verses, starting, I think, verse 12. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. So Jesus had just got baptized. And the Father said, I'm pleased with you. This is my Son, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Two things I want to share with you, followers of Jesus, whether you just started that today or whether you've been doing that today. Two things about this. Number one, first observation is this. The enemy fights hardest against the father's kids. We believe there's a devil. We we believe that there's an enemy of our soul who seeks to destroy, kill, discourage you, get you to give up on God, give up on your faith because now you're on God's team. Now you're one of his kids. And how do you hurt us as parents? You don't come after us. You come after our kids. We can endure a lot, but when our kids are broken, when our kids are hurting, we hurt and the enemy knows that. And so he comes after the father's kids because we're on God's team now. We, we have the same enemy. We were once on the devil's team, now we're on God's team. And so we have a common enemy. And that enemy is Satan. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The other quick observation, because I want to keep this quick this morning, is this. Our ministry begins immediately. Jesus was baptized. Then he was thrown out into the wilderness where he's tempted. He had trials. He had testings. And then he went immediately and he began his ministry. When you follow Jesus, you made a decision today or you're baptized, you don't wait for a seminary degree. You don't go get a college education or a master's. You begin your ministry right then and there. You are the expert of what Jesus has done in your life. You know your story better than anyone else. You are the expert of your story. And you're just simply called to begin a ministry and share what God's done for you and to share it with others. You're not held responsible for things you don't know yet or things you won't know until later. You're just responsible for what God's given you now. And whatever God's done for you, our ministry begins immediately. So you're all commissioned to go today, leave this place, be the hands and the feet of Jesus and love on them in Jesus' name making straight paths like John the Baptist did, roughing out the, uh, getting the rough places and helping make them smooth so others can experience the love of Christ. Would you stand with me today? Thank you for being such a great, uh, great listener, such a great uh, church. Have a great and wonderful day. And we'll hopefully, I'd love to see you next Sunday. God bless you.